0: Hello and welcome to Aging Matters, a program featuring timely topics for older adults and their families. I'm Cheryl Beverstorf, your host. A senior moment is a non-medical term for a brief lapse of memory or moment of confusion and is often associated with an unchangeable part of aging. Newly discovered research-based strategies are showing that senior moments can be prevented, proving that the occurrences are not inevitable for adults as they age. Today, my guest is Dr. Stan Goldberg, Professor Emeritus in the Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences at San Francisco State University. He is also the author of a book called Preventing Senior Moments, How to Stay Alert into Your 90s and Beyond. Stan will provide the basics about senior moments, including myths, causes, and types, and strategies to prevent them. He'll also explain the difference between senior moments and dementia, and give recommendations for determining the likelihood of serious cognitive problems. So welcome, Stan, and thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, of course, as always, in my program, I like to get an overview of what we're talking about. I mentioned a brief uh, definition of senior moment, but talk more about that. What is meant by a senior moment and what are the myths associated with this concept? And um, talk more about that inevitability and unchangeable part of aging that we hope is not true. Sure. Let me start with a story then. Um, this was when my mother
1: was still alive, she would come out to visit me in San Francisco, usually two times a year. And we always look forward to those visits. And my mother was known for having what I called at that time, senior moments. And she came out here on her last visit. And um, I couldn't find her when I came back from the university and we have a, uh, an area in the back of the house that leads down to an incline where there's a wooded area. And I did not see her and I saw the door open. And my first thought was something happened to her. And I frantically looked around the house, couldn't find her, was about to call 911 and saw her emerging out of the forest uh, with a bunch of leaves and twigs in her hand. And I said, mom, what are you doing? And she said, I'm cleaning up the forest. And I thought, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard her say. And it became a family joke for quite a while until um, at her memorial service, some of her friends started telling me about some of the problems she had. And this was after, or actually even before that event occurred. And she would not go out at night because if it was dark, she would get disoriented. She uh, would stop cooking because she was afraid of burning the apartment down. And there was a whole series of these things. And I realized that what I had interpreted as a senior moment was really something quite different. Uh, and to this day, we, we don't know, but I think it probably was the first signs of Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. But it started me looking for what is meant by senior moments. And the definition that you gave in the introduction is the one most commonly found in the literature. And as I went through most of the materials on senior moments, they almost always had a few variables included. One, it was inevitable. The second, that it was related to aging. And the third, it was no more important than a joke for a comedian Saturday night monologue. And I found out that it really wasn't. So I started thinking about what's involved with this. And there's some things I came up with. First of all, there is no starting line for senior moments. You know, it could happen at 60, it could happen at 40. Uh, The second is they are rarely just funny. There are other things associated with that. And the third is that they are generated from problems in learning, in learning issues. And there are really four parts to that. You have attention, so you have to attend to something. You're going to process information. The second is you have to understand what it is you are attending to. The third, you have to storage that information. The fourth, you need to retrieve it. And the final one, you have to use it. So if there is a problem in any of those learning areas, you have what is normally called a senior moment, and I call a result of a learning problem.
0: And so as we start talking about senior moments, are there different types of senior moments? And also talk more even about at what age senior moments begin
1: let me answer the last one first. There is no starting age. Um, I mean, I've had them when I was 40. Uh, I have them now when I am 77, 76, 77. Yes. See, I had a senior moment there. I forgot my age. Um, So there's no really starting point. If I could come up with a different terminology, I would. I wouldn't even use the words, the two words, senior moments because they're not related to age and they're not just moments. They span a a, a period of time. There is something that precipitates a senior moment and there are consequences of it. So, you know, people tend to think that all of these senior moments are the same. You know, you're going to be just as embarrassed when you lose your glasses for the fourth time as you were when you're losing your keys for the fifth time. But that's not how to think about them. If you think about sort of an undifferentiated group of behaviors that we call senior moments, you're missing a lot of information that can help you avoid them now and also possibly help you predict your cognitive health later. So what are these these senior moments? There's basically nine types. And the reason that I divided them into nine types is each one of these taps into a specific information processing problem that someone has. So my latest book is called Preventing Senior Moments, and it goes into quite detail into all of these, but we'll just tick them down. First one is forgetting names and numbers. Second one is repeating stories or asking questions for the second, third, or fourth time. The third is misplacing objects. The fourth is substituting words. The fifth is sequencing problems, and I need to explain that one a little bit because that's not obvious. The next one is difficulty completing tasks, otherwise known as procrastination. The next one is conflating memories. The eighth is difficulty understanding, and the ninth is disorientation. So let me very briefly talk about sequencing and then talk a little bit about disorientation. Because the rest, I think, are fairly obvious. Um, sequencing problems is something that, that I realized that I had. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, and this actually happened this morning, waiting to go on the show. Uh, I'm in my office. Um, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I really would like to get a cup of coffee before I start the interview. And I was working on something. I went up to the kitchen and I s- said, why am I here? Yeah. You know? Now it happens to all of us. The problem that I have is, is I look at all of the different information processing problems I have, that one stands out as critical. Doing certain episodes like not enough sleep or uh, too much to worry about, I might have 10 of these a day, you know, but I know what they are and I know they're not leading to um, other forms, you know, such as dementia. Now, I said the the last one I wanted to talk about a little bit also, which was disorientation. And that is a very significant one. With disorientation, what tends to happen is you can find yourself in a familiar place and you don't know where you're going, or you don't know how you got there, or you don't know how to get out. First time it happened to me was when my son was in college. Uh, This was down in Arizona, and I went into one of these gigantic malls where you know everything in the world is sold and i told him we we're going to meet at a certain location and i thought i had observed everything i remember going back to attention and i didn't and as a result i was lost in this mall for over an hour and he couldn't find me and i couldn't find him but that that was a fairly harmless example of disorientation but you have more severe problems where things just don't seem right. Uh, A friend of mine who has uh, early Alzheimer's lives in Great Britain, and he told me the most frightening experience he ever had was he was walking across the street, and he got to a curb, and he didn't remember how to lift his legs to go from the street to the curb. It sounds bizarre, but that's another example of being disoriented. So, again, those are nine types of uh, senior moments. Each tells you something differently about how you're processing information, and there are strategies that can be used for each of these to prevent them from happening again.
0: And before we get into those strategies, is it possible to predict future cognitive ability um, by these senior moments that older adults experience in the present? I think that is
1: probably the most often asked question that I get is, are the problems I'm having now going to be indicative of what I'll have in the future? Uh, I wish I could give a definitive yes or no. Unfortunately, most of that is in a gray zone. I was just finishing writing an article this morning for Psychology Today, and it had to do with looking at, can you differentiate? between senior moments and signs of dementia. Uh, And the reason that's a very important question is, right now, the average time it takes between trying to get an appointment with a neurologist, and a neurologist is the one who's going to make the determination, and actually seeing the neurologist is, you know, drum roll, here we go, a year and a half. Now, can, can you imagine... You have some behaviors that are not only highly concerning to you and your family, but are going to be important for making decisions that will affect whatever time you have left. And you have to wait a year and a half in order to find out. So, you can use what I've written as guideposts, mostly such as stopgap measures. I'm not saying you should substitute any of the things I've written for an actual neurological examination, but you can start looking at what you're doing as indicators or a probability that something more serious is occurring. So the first thing is we we, we look at, at the nine types of senior moments. And I said, one of the things, if someone is disoriented that's going to send up a a, a red flag, just being disoriented, because that's just so much out of the ordinary. Now, what I suggest to, to my clients is if you are doing something that you believe is strange or might be predictive of future problems, then you want to look for ways of explaining it away. That's important. We want to look for circumstances that could have caused that. So look at the disorientation. I had a client who uh, would usually drive to his favorite restaurant maybe three, four times a month. And he had been doing this for years. And one day, driving to the restaurant, he got lost. This was in a familiar neighborhood. And his first thought was, I'm losing my mind. You know, this is a sign of dementia. Well, when we met, I wanted to know everything that happened just prior to the event and during the event. Well, he left the house angry because he just had a fight with a family member. Uh, He turned on the radio, was listening to old Led Zeppelin music that was blasting in his ear. He was wearing a new pair of glasses and was thinking about his next day at work, which was going to be horrendous. Okay, I said okay. All of that can be, you know, either individual elements or in combination that may have caused the disorientation. I would have been highly disoriented just listening to Led Zeppelin, but you know he had all of these things going on. And so the next question was, okay, let's assume that that we can explain this away by looking at all these events. What about? the frequency, which is another indication of whether this is gonna be difficult. What is the frequency of this event? Have you had these before? And the answer was no. Let's look at to see the next time it's gonna occur. Well, two years later, it never happened. So, you know, you're looking at at, at that. Another variable to look at is what, what I call, I don't, I'm still coming up, trying to come up with a better term for it, but I call it just strangeness. I mean, how strange is this behavior? So, for example, uh, my wife loses her keys on the average of six times a day. Where she loses them, the, the, the keys make a decision to hide in very specific places. You know, they will hide in her coat pocket. They will hide uh, under some papers in the dining room table. Once they, they were in the, the lock out on the front door of, uh, of the house, she never took the key out. So, all of those, you can say, well, they're, they're strange, but they're all related. They make kind of sense. But what she has never done is she's never misplaced her keys in the refrigerator or in the washing machine. Now, that would say to me there's something very odd going on here. So, that, that's the other thing you can do. You can look at, at the, the strangeness of a behavior, the type of behavior. It's frequency, and you can look at the context. So when you have all of those at your at your disposal, you can first identify the type of see your moment you're having, the frequency, the circumstances, whether it's strange or a predicted
0: behavior. I wanted to ask one question before we start talking more about the methods and strategies. And that has to do with memory. Um, Since you gave an example earlier of not remembering why you walked into the kitchen this morning, I was wondering if there is a relationship of of memory uh, to senior moments, which is more of an internal as opposed to some of the external factors that might cause senior moments. Yeah, there is.
1: Unfortunately, most people, when they think of senior moments, or even when they think of Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia, they think about um, that it's a memory issue. Yes, there are memory components, but not solely memory. You know, I gave the, the example of the four different parts of processing information. All of those are involved in memory. So in memory, you know, you're thinking about different aspects of memory. The first type of memory is called sensory memory, an example of that is, let's say you're, you're sitting in a restaurant and uh, a waiter walks by and he is juggling plates and you're, you're positive he's going to drop them all and he walks by and nothing happens. So you, your brain still sees that image for a f- split second. I don't, we don't know how long, but you know microseconds. And that is then shifted to an area for short-term memory. Now, the definition of short-term memory is all over the board. No one can seem to agree what really short-term memory is. But we know that it's moved to a part of the brain or different parts of the brain where it's going to be stored for a certain period of time until it becomes long-term memory. The most reasonable time frame that I've seen to determine when short-term memory ends and long-term memory begins has to do with sleep. So most neurologists, and I'm not a neurologist, but most neurologists talk about, uh, about short-term memory continuing up until you go to sleep. And then when you sleep, that memory is shifted to another part of the brain where it becomes a long-term memory. And there, there's, I find that good indications, research indications, that that makes sense. And on a personal level, it makes sense to me. Um, I have a, a disorder called REM sleep disorder, which I'm sure many of your uh, your listeners are familiar with. And essentially what it does is it makes it difficult. When, when you go to sleep, um, your, your body essentially it becomes paralyzed. Uh, and you can have all of these strange dreams and nightmares, and you're fighting the bear, and you're defending your house, and all of those things. But your body doesn't move. But with some people, I don't know the percentage, but it's I understand it's growing. Your body's not paralyzed, and you have when you're having these dreams, you're you are moving, you are flailing, and you know if you have a. a, a partner you sleep with, you probably have given them a black eye at some time. And that's a REM sleep disorder. If you have a REM sleep disorder, there is a likelihood that some of your short-term memories never become long-term memories because of that disorder. So uh, I, I had a very big 70th birthday party and where people f- came in from different parts of the country. And it was, it was just a wonderful event. I have very little recollection of anything about that party. And a lot of that had to do because uh, of my, my, I was having some very severe sleep problems at that time. So, if you have a sleep problem, uh, it's going to disrupt memory. And a lot of that can be interpreted as causing some senior moments It also, there's speculation that it can lead to dementia. So, yes, memory is very important, but we have to be clear what parts of memory are related to the type of senior moment we're having.
0: Stan, tell us about the methods and strategies that help to prevent a senior moment from occurring. And since I know you're going to be talking about a lot of different ones, How can the best ones be determined? I'll just give you a very brief overview, and then
1: we'll talk about specifics. Basically, there are eight strategies that can be used. I'm not necessarily rank ordering them. They all work. Underneath those strategies are specific methods, and there's something like 45 or so. So we obviously don't have time to go into all of them. But briefly, here are eight strategies. One is slowing down. The second is combating inertia. The third is using patterns. The fourth is to challenge your brain. The fifth is to make whatever you're learning lasting. The sixth is to focus on whatever you're learning. The seventh is to manage environment. And the eighth is practice. So the the paradigm for thinking about preventing senior moments, is to think about what it takes to learn a new behavior and what it took to learn an old behavior you no longer want. So that's what we're looking about. We're looking about changing behaviors. Uh, What we know about the brain is that when it learns something, it doesn't learn it and store things in little bits of information. They learn it in full patterns, so, the best example I know of is Steph Curry, who plays for the War- the Warriors basketball team. He can hit a shot at 50 feet without even thinking. And the question many people have is, how does he do that? Well, an interviewer asked his trainer, and the trainer said before every game, he shoots a minimum of 500 shots. Okay. And that was his secret. I mean, he's blessed with incredible talent, but that's not enough because so are hundreds of other guys in the NBA. But he has that special gift, and the gift had to do with practice. So one of the things that we want to do is you you identify a senior moment that you don't want to do anymore, and then you practice doing that behavior in a normal manner. So if you don't want to lose your keys in the house, practice not losing your keys. Um, and so practice is important. Using patterns are important. Uh, you can set things up where your brain will retain it, just like Steve Curry's brain retains how to shoot a shot without hitting any net. You can manage your environment. There are things that make it easier not to have a seizure moments. So, for example, I had a client who, uh, when when he went on vacation, he had a, a, a large pill regime that he needed to take. So, he needed to take it wherever he was. And when he went on vacation, he tended to forget taking his pills. We looked at what he did and it became apparent was that there was the routine that helped him to take pills at home was not present when he was on vacation so we worked on on creating that so you can you can take all of these different strategies you use whatever seems to work and um, that's the the best way i found of preventing senior moments there there's no rank order they're essentially all good and the the maxim that i use when i was doing speech therapy with clients and strategies is the more the better
0: and so that kind of leads me to my next question, which is, given all of these various applications, is it possible that a senior moment could still return after the application of a strategy? And if so, what can be done? It can't. Uh, I think that what you need to look at is not to think of
1: senior moments as anything different than any other behavior that you have. Behaviors are are retained through practice. Um, I play some wooden flutes, and if I wanna learn a new song, what I need to do is I need to practice uh, each bar of music hundreds of times in order for my memory to say, oh, okay, I've got this. Um, and I can come back in a, in a week or in two weeks and I still have retained it. I can come back in a month without practice and I may start missing some notes. I can come back in six months after not picking up the flute, and it's gone. The same thing applies to senior moments. When you're trying to prevent a senior moment, what you will be doing is learning new behavior patterns. And again, all of these are in the the book. And once you've learned that, you can't assume they will stay in your memory without practice. Think about practice as a layering effect. You learn something you need to reinforce it. And the way you reinforce it is you do it over and over again. So if you have learned an alternative to a senior moment, such as you're no longer forgetting you know where you put your keys, and if you start forgetting that, then you need to think, what have I stopped practicing? So practice is a key to delaying the uh, reoccurrence of a senior moment and since you've learned how to prevent it, you can just go back and do the same thing again and, you know,
0: the you will be able to retain it. You mentioned a little bit earlier about attitude adjustment, that that could reduce or prevent a senior moment. What types of attitudes might contribute to senior moments? One of the things that prevents people from
1: managing their, their senior moments is an unwillingness to practice. And we talked about in the practice. The second is to analyze what they're doing. If you're going to look at senior moments as this undifferentiated category of behaviors, you're not going to get the precision you will need in order to figure out what to do, which strategy to use, you know, to correct specific problems. Uh, and the third is is the willingness or the unwillingness to change. Um, change is is a really interesting phenomenon. You know, we all say we want to do things differently to do things better, but there's a certain inertia that develops in us. It's easier not to move than it is to move, and that's what our mind goes to, our brain goes to what's easiest. So you have to be willing to uh, to change those three you know, items uh, in order to prevent your senior moments and to retain new, better behaviors.
0: Another cause that you said is related to uh, senior moments is sleep. You mentioned a little bit about that. What are your recommendations for creating a favorable sleep environment and hopefully reducing senior moments? I wish I knew. <laughs> Sleep
1: is an issue that I've had difficulty with for a long period of time. Um, I understand the effects it has on behavior, and I have not been able to get uh, a firm grasp on what, on what I need to do. There are lots of recommendations, and they probably work for most people. Uh, one of the easiest has to do with hydration. The the brain, you know, needs as much it needs water as much as your muscles do. So uh, you need to keep it fully hydrated. There are also other nutrients that supposedly uh, facilitate better brain function. And since I'm not a physician, I'm uh, nor a nutritionist. I'm not ready to go into that. There's a whole program now called cognitive behavioral therapy which is trying to adjust the environment, your sleep environment, to make it more conducive to sleep. And there are things in there such as keeping the room cool, keeping it dark, not eating uh, anything after seven o'clock at night, limiting alcohol consumption to uh, no more than one glass of wine or one drink at night, not drinking after six. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, is offered by many sleep clinics. And for many people, it is very uh, effective. Uh, there are also various classes of sleep medicine. And, and again, that's something that I don't think people should do without without the supervision of a physician.
0: Another term that you used in your book was feeding your brain. What's meant by that and what are ways to do so to help lessen senior moments? I think a lot of people look at the brain as something
1: that is so unique and so mysterious that we don't know what to do to make it more efficient. I look at it as no different than I know this is a simplification. No different than you know muscles in our body. You know, I go to the gym to exercise my muscles to make them strong, to keep them flexible. Um, I should be doing the same thing with my brain. I don't necessarily need to take it to the gym. But there are certain things that will make it less likely that you will have a senior moment. We talked about sleep, hydration, nutrition. But there's also activities. Uh, There was a wonderful study done in 2013 where you had two researchers were looking, were trying to figure out what kinds of um, behaviors should teachers teach to children to make them more creative. And they actually came up with about six different, very specific things. And when I looked at that, I said, hmm. This sounds very similar to what uh, neurologists or, or neurobehavioralists are suggesting that people with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia do. And so, there, there was, there's lots of specific activities that tend to stimulate the brain, again, much like doing push-ups. Um, and without getting into the research, we can talk about things that can be done. For example, crossword puzzles. In order to Effectively, do the crossword puzzle, your brain needs to examine alternatives. It needs to look at classifications. It needs to think about the meaning of things. And so, it's a whole variety of, of, of items. The same thing actually happens when you decide to make a dish, a new dish with different ingredients. So, you know, you can sit there and say, okay, uh, I'm going to make this bouillabaisse. Uh, I don't have crabs. What fish can I substitute? I don't have tomatoes, or the tomatoes I have aren't the ones that are specified. What if I put this in? Basically, all of the activities you're doing for things that are creative or uh, scholarly are pretty much identical, and all of those stimulate the brain. In fact, what they found in studies looking at um, the, the brains of people with Different forms of dementia was that by doing these you know creative activities they were able to grow new neurons and neural connections. That to me says you know if you want to um, get rid of or reduce or prevent a lot of your senior moments, get off the couch and go walk around the block identifying flowers. That's going to be more important than watching reruns of Law and Order for the eighth time.
0: Well, now that we've understood a lot better about what kinds of applications for senior moments, I think our listeners would like to understand a little bit more about how you began this interview about your situation with your mom. And that's the difference between a senior moment and dementia and what people should think about in case that's a factor rather than just a senior moment. So let's start by just asking you, what is the difference between a senior moment and dementia? One of the major differences in any forms of dementia,
1: I keep saying Alzheimer's and dementia. People need to understand that Alzheimer's is just one form of dementia. There are many different types of Alzheimer's. I believe Constitutes something like between 60 and 70 percent of all dementias. But one of the, the basic differences has to do with um, what is called executive function. Um, and executive function really is what the brain has to do to manage its memories and the world around them. So let me give you a very good example. I want to make an omelet for breakfast. Well, okay. I go into the kitchen. I go, I think, okay. Um, I bought some eggs the other day and I stored them in the refrigerator. Okay. That's a long-term memory issue. Okay. I'm looking around the kitchen. I just washed my dishes and the pans and I know they're somewhere here in the kitchen. Let me find them. Short-term memory. Aha, okay, so I got my eggs, I got my pan, and now I'm going to need to make the omelet. How do I make an omelet? Okay, well, aha, okay, the past, what I need to do is I need. I know that I need to crack eggs, put them in a pan, uh, mix them up, turn on the frying pan, put them in the pan, wait until they get the certain texture, take them out, and eat them. okay. All of those things that I just mentioned, the things that the brain is doing, is is tapping back not just on long-term memory, but on the rules for making an omelet. In dementia, that's one of the first things to go, is there are holes or just complete lapses in rules. So, to to give you, I have a friend of mine whose wife has, has dementia. And one of the things that changes is the greeting ritual that she has. I mean, she knows that uh, when you walk up to someone, which she knew in the past, you haven't seen for a while, you say, hello, how are you? You may shake their hand, you may put your arms around them, you do all of those different things. Well, how do we know how to do that? It's not just a specific memory of greeting that person, But it's understanding and being able to retrieve greeting rituals, something that we've been taught since we've been a child. But what happens when parts of that ritual, parts of that memory, dissolve? Well, then you walk up to someone and you don't know what to do because the knowledge that you had is gone. In Dementia, that's one of the things that happens. Now, there are other problems in memory. Some some uh, patients that I've seen had very severe long-term memory uh, problems with their dementia. Others had short-term. But one of the things that seemed to be almost universal is the the lack of knowledge for the rules for doing things. So, you know, other than the the examples I gave in the beginning of the Uh, the interview with how to look at different types of um, senior moments. Uh, You also want to think about what's happening with knowledge of rules. And they can be, again, as simple as greeting rules, or they can be even more elemental, like how to go to the bathroom. So, those are the types of things that I think you want to watch for. Look, Look for problems in executive functioning.
0: And is it possible then to think about maybe this kind of senior moments that you're having? And if it's possible that there might be uh, dementia and early signs, what do you need to do? Is there a self-assessment that one could do? Uh, What would be next steps?
1: What I'd like to do is I like to think about what might be necessary if I was going on a trip to a country that I'm not familiar with uh, and I don't know the language? So, let's say we'll we'll assume it's Croatia. Now, I've never been to Croatia. I don't speak the language. I'm not even sure if I'm going to go there, but there's a good likelihood that I will. So, what do I need to do to prepare well, I may want to look about, think about the customs. I may want to think about uh, language. Uh, I may want to think about, you know, if I need to take care of some basic bodily concerns. How do I ask? How do I ask to get to a toilet? Okay, I look at at my visit to a strange place similarly as I look to my visit to dementia. I know that with my REM sleep disorder, there is a good chance that I will be developing some form of dementia. I mean, the, the, the statistics are very clear. Uh, by the time we reach 80, there's more than a 35% chance that we, will have de- that we will have some form of dementia. So, I want to prepare now for my trip to that land just as much as I would like to prepare for my trip to a foreign country. And how do I do that? Well, I be creative. I try to be, you know, cognitively intact by doing certain kinds of exercises. I will think about what I can do to manage my environment. I will try to make learning as easy as I can. Basically, I'm going to use all of the strategies that I suggested for people to want to avoid seizure moments that I would... If I was
0: preparing for dementia. And do you also recommend that if an older adult is concerned that the senior moments are pointing to Alzheimer's disease or another type of dementia, should they get tested? Uh, And what might that look like? Or what kind of health provider would you recommend that they uh, consult with? Absolutely. Again, You know, you have a year and a half
1: wait to see a neurologist. Um, You can see possibly there there are some firms, some companies and individuals uh, that have training in uh, psychology, neurology, and dementia. Uh, They go by various names. And I think uh, a qualified person uh, with that background would be appropriate. But again, you're looking at, at at a delay. First, I I would contact uh, some professional organization, Alzheimer's organization or uh, a dementia group, and ask for recommendations. Who would they recommend for testing, for neurological testing? Make your appointment and then assume the worst. Assume that, in fact, uh, you may be undergoing the beginnings of dementia, what would i do with that how would i now start structuring everything to one minimize the effects of of my my brain acting less efficiently and two enabling the environment to help me through some difficult times
0: and i'm hearing that you say about the brain i mean this is really what this is all about as a uh, as a therapist give us a little bit more understanding um the older adults who are listening, as well as their care partners and family members, to uh, what they need to know about the aging brains. You already mentioned the fact that 35% of the people uh, out there, older adults, can anticipate that they might get dementia. Anything else that we need to know as we think about as we're getting older? Sure. There, there's
1: There's two examples I like to think about. The first one is thinking about uh, some of the old-time pocket watches that had amazing amount of gears in them. In order for that watch to tell you the exact time, the teeth on those gears had to mesh perfectly. If you have a slight difference and they sort of nick each other, you're going to have a problem with time. You still might get the, the, the time within, you know, within five minutes of the correct time, but it'll be different think about your brain in the same way. What your brain is doing, your brain is amazingly complex. And if someone tells you they understand it, I would look for another professional. We don't understand the brain you know, from, from direct experience. Most of it is indirect evidence, which in the light of, of nothing else being available, works. So we think that the, the, the brain slows down with age. And as it slows down it doesn't, it gets out of sync with certain functions. Another way of thinking about it, the, the second analogy is, you know, I live in San Francisco. Uh, I've decided to drive down to, uh, to Los Angeles, 300 and some odd mile drive. Well, the car that I have is fairly old and decrepit and parts fall off of it. Now I can still get to Los Angeles, I may need to stop to get a belt tightened, to get water put in for a lot of different things. My neighbor has a, um, uh, an electric car and he can drive straight through in his $70,000 car, stopping only to go to the bathroom, okay? He is the 20-year-old, I'm the 80-year-old. We both get to the same place, but different at different times in different ways. As you age, you still can function as you did when you were 20, 30 years younger if you're willing to make changes. A friend of mine is a bridge player and he was a great bridge player 10 years ago. He's having memory problems now. And in order for him to function adequately in tournaments, he's had to do some uh, memory exercises which enable him to, to be competitive. So that's, that's the best way of thinking about our minds. As we get older, you know, the, the phrase, you know, you're not getting older, you're getting better. That's nonsense. When you're getting older, you're getting older. And uh, accept the fact that your brain doesn't work quite as efficiently as it did when it was younger. But by using compensatory strategies, and again, a lot of those are related to uh, senior moments in the book. By using
0: the compensatory strategies, you can function at a very high level. Okay. And just about out of time here, any final uh, comments that you wanted to make or any best resources? Obviously, we've been talking a lot about your book, which uh, has a lot of information about senior moments, but any other resources that you recommend and final comments?
1: Yeah. Um I have a website called Goldbergwriter.com, and there's probably close to 200 articles that have to do with aging. They're they're free. You just get on there and feel free to download, do whatever you want with them. But basically, the message of all of those articles are, as we age, we have a choice. We can accept aging as something that's inevitable and despicable. We can pretend we're not getting old, or the third approach, and the one that I take, is we can function very adequately, joyfully, and lovingly if we're willing to do some compensatory strategies that bring
0: back joy to our life. Well said, and definitely sums up what we've been talking about today. So again, I want to thank Dr. Stan Goldberg, author of Preventing Senior Moments, how to stay alert into your 90s and beyond. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stan. It's my pleasure. If you would like to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is Aging Matters Online. And of course, there you can access all of the Aging Matters radio programs, the podcasts, and the TV show episodes. And the podcasts of Apple and Spotify and beyond you can access them right on the website. So be sure and check that out as well. And all the TV episodes are on YouTube. So hope that you will take a look. Aging Matters is produced in association with Steve Lack Audio. To learn more about that company, you can log on to stevelackaudio.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.